The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Welcome into BGN Radio, episode 85, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation. I am Michael Kist in place of Jimmy Kemsky, I guess would be would be the case. Benjamin Solak has been fired for the performance by the Eagles in their 38-20 loss to the Minnesota Vikings. So instead, I'm going to be joined by Brandon Lee Gowton. Brandon, this was a mess of a mess of a mess of a blowout loss. How are you doing, brother? Mike, I am doing well in the sense that I am glad I am here with you to rant about <laughs> things I'm not happy about. <laughs> I, there are a lot of things about this game that are very frustrating. And let's just let's just get right into it, Mike, because I am ready to I have a lot of thoughts. Yeah, Cousins goes over 300 yards. You can put that on Jim Schwartz, the four touchdowns, the, the coverage was sloppy, the defense was bad. This Vikings offense was exactly what we expected it to be. And Jim Schwartz still crapped the bet against them. Doug Peterson has one of the weirdest decisions of his tenure here in Philadelphia. I've never criticized him for a fourth down decision before, like to the extent that I'm about to for this decision to try to fake a field goal with Jake Elliott instead of just leaving Wentz out there. If you wanted to run a play and get out of bounds and go for an extra shot, that was really confusing. Just overall, there was nothing redeeming about this game for the Eagles, in my opinion. Carson Wentz, from what I saw, played his butt off. And then each game, we tend to have this game where one of the one of the Eagles players is having the worst game of their life. And it's it's he's not getting any help. This team right now is bad. This was a bad performance. Three and three, and they're playing like it, and it couldn't have been any uglier for him today. Mike, the Eagles failed the Kurt Cousins litmus test. That's what they it did. is. Yep. They they really did, though. Seriously, not, like yep. jokes aside, they Kirk Cousins beats up on bad teams. Kirk Cousins beat up on the Eagles. Ergo, the <laughs> Eagles are not a very good team. Uh, and first of all, can I just say, screw you, Zach Brown. Like, really, man? Like, you're going to say that crap before the game. Oh, we want the ball in Kirk Cousins' hands. Yeah, great. He It was in his hands today. And you looked like like you look foolish. You didn't do anything out there yourself. Yeah. And the defense got ripped to shreds. Like, great job, man. Like, the Eagles didn't lose because he made those comments. But, like, they just weren't necessary at all. Hmm. Uh, I did not agree with Ben's stance that he liked them. Like, there was nothing was good that was going to come out of those comments. The, the best thing that could have happened is that the Eagles were won anyway. Whatever. I, I, that's not a big reason they lost. I, it's just like, come on, man. And then he didn't even really owe up to it after the game. Like, he didn't want to talk about it. I'm sure he didn't. Anyway, uh, getting into some of the things that actually lost the Eagles this game. Yeah. Doug Peterson, man. Doug. <laughs> what are we doing, man? Yeah. It's not just the fake field goal. Obviously, that was a big deal. And I guess we should start there because a lot of people are going to be talking about that. 
uh, for forever, really. Like that, that's a that's a play that kind of is going to be talked about for I feel like for a very long time. Well, my Peterson. thing is you have zero timeouts. If you want to go for it and you want to set yourself up for another shot at the end zone or whatever the case is, you're probably better off doing that with Carson Wentz than you are with Jake Elliott. Then you're also depending on like Dallas Goddard to get out of bounds on that play, which, okay, what if he doesn't? What happens then? Like we were talking about before the show, then Jake Elliott has to what? Spike the ball? Like, I I don't understand. Like, I, I get going for it because of the percentages. The way they did it was just extremely confusing and frustrating to me. And at a point where you knew that the Eagles were going to get the ball back in the second half, I thought they were just going to take the points and go, okay, we get the ball back. We're fine. We're going to get back in this game. And they do actually start to get back into this game and missing those points may have hurt them if, if you know, the rest of the game doesn't go the way that it does. But still, like I just, none of it made sense to me. And usually there's at least an angle you can take with these Peterson decisions that makes sense. And like a lot of times people will say, well, would you criticize him for him if, you know, if it worked out? Yeah, absolutely. I still would. And I still defend him when plays, you know, fourth down conversions don't work because they're the right decision in a lot of cases. This one, I just absolutely don't agree with. Yeah. What was like, what was the, what was happening here? What was the, <laughs> so, so Doug literally said after the, like his actual explanation after the game was that they were counting on Dallas Goddard to get out of bounds there. Like that's, mm-hmm. that just seems so like, so what if he's covered? What do you do then? <laughs> like that's basically what happened. Yeah, but to me, I like the aggressiveness. I don't hate that. I really don't like, and I, I get like the fake, try to catch him off guard. Like I, I get it somewhat, but here's the thing, Mike and BGN radio listeners and Doug Peterson, most importantly, you paid Carson Wentz $128 million to pass the ball. Let him freaking pass the ball. It's a fragile situation. Why oh, Why give it to Elliot? Whenever good things were happening in this game, it was when Carson Wentz was like making plays and doing right. things. Like, why would you take the ball out of his hands? And that's that's a big frustration like frustration point I have for this entire game. I mean, first quarter, they came out, they ran. It was run, run, run. He had one pass he in didn't the first have quarter. A, he didn't have that. Think about how crazy that is. Again, you're paying this guy $128 million. You're saying, this is a franchise quarterback. This is the guy we believe in this is the guy who we're gonna win with this is the guy who's been playing well this season he's been taking care of the ball and you don't even give him the ball in the first (laughs) quarter it's 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 insane like i am so baffled by that that is crazy like literally the first drive they have i'm using literally way too much here uh the first (laughs) drive they have three straight run plays three and out and they were down seven to zero like what are you doing yeah. we have to establish the run which is the stupidest thing as we talk about time and time again i mean great the eagles really did establish the run in this game and it it lost them the game and carson part. wentz was their leading rusher by halftime oh. <laughs> like what are we oh doing my gosh what are so we, it what? wasn't even it wasn't even just uh all of that like there was other there's some other questionable fourth down decisions in this game from doug like not being aggressive enough for it i saw a tweet out there about the surrender index. Mm. They decided the Eagles decided to punt from the Vikings 48 and fourth and nine with 13 or six remaining in the fourth quarter. Uh, with the surrender index, the punt ranks at the 94th percentile of cowardly punts of the 2019 season and the 91st percentile of all punts since 2009. And that wasn't the only bad fourth down decision in this game. There were others. I think there was one where, oh, I think it was the Jake Elliott field goal. Yeah. Where it was like from the Vikings 35, they're facing what, like fourth and six, and Doug kicks it. Okay, great. Like, what's that going to do? <laughs> so, when the defense is playing the way it's playing, which we're talking about, yeah, yeah what, what is it going to do? Yeah, it's just this isn't this is not Doug's game. And also, um, I want to I want to lump Mike Rowe in here because, yeah. and let, let's be clear, Doug Peterson hired Mike Rowe. Doug Peterson is keeping Mike Rowe on his staff. I'm when I blame Mike Rowe 
for anything. I'm not like passing the buck. I'm not saying Doug deserves no blame. He deserves all mm. the blame as well. But you're not mm. going to start by firing Doug. Like that's not the solution. You start <laughs> from somewhere else. And like, what is Mike Girl giving this team? Like, wh- why does he have to be here? Like, is he really helping? Because I don't think there's evidence that that's the case. If he's involved with game scripting, um, which I guess like kind of you know Frank Wright got credit for and things like that. Uh, well, the script was terrible. Carson <laughs> didn't pass the ball in the first quarter. Uh, it's just crazy, man. It's crazy to me uh, how it's another slow start for this team. It's just like we're living in like they use this gaslight us every week. It's like mm. they got to fix the slow start. They got to fix the slow start, and they just don't. Like they just start slow every week. They have to play from behind all the time. It's frustrating. Ten to nothing every time. Ten to nothing. And and I just saw a, a quote from uh, Mike Zimmer. Said he mentioned uh, inverted coverages from the Eagles in previous games, and the Eagles got torso. This is the inverted cover, too, that me and Benjamin Solak are always railing against, where it just doesn't work for the Eagles. It hasn't worked from for since the Titans game last year when they started running it after McLeod went out, and they end up, I mean, they have a whole burn unit on defense. People were crapping a lot on Sidney Jones, and look, I'm going to talk about Sidney Jones here in a second, but Douglas got burned for two touchdowns. One of them, Malcolm Jenkins took credit for, but the way that they play their coverage, you have Stephon Diggs. You have Adam Thielen, two very, very good wide receivers, probably both of them in the top 15, despite what their production was coming into this game this year because of how the the construction of the of the Minnesota Vikings offense. But when you don't give your corners help at all and you leave them on an island when they're already a question mark, like Rasul Douglas playing good ball before this game. And he got he got lit up a little bit. And then Sidney Jones. Let's talk about Sidney Jones because maybe we can put this on the um, under the umbrella of like what the past few draft classes has looked like for the Eagles and the lack of contribution that they're getting for him. I mean, number one, first round pick Andre Dillard, tough task going in for Jason Peters today. His he's gonna have to work on his anchor. I think that's very abundantly clear after this game, seeing him try to handle like Everson Griffin and the like. But you also look at Sidney Jones and you go, okay. The guy is talented. Would have been a first-round pick. Like, no, nobody denies the fact that he would have gone in the first round on talent alone if he doesn't pick up the Achilles injury. Since the Achilles injury, he has shown flashes. Last year, in the beginning of the year, before the hamstring injury, he had a, a run of three fantastic games. And then everything fell off from there, and he struggles with it throughout the season. Maybe he comes back too early, whatever the case may be. This year, uh, some solid play. And then, boom, he gets burned by Devontae Adams. Next thing you know, he picks up another quote-unquote hamstring injury. And then Doug calls him out and says, hey, man, you got to tough these things out. Here's my thing with Sydney. I can't predict the injuries. I was very high on Sydney coming into the season. I think everybody knows that. He had a great camp. But here's the thing. I can't predict him being soft. If you're going to be out, then be out. Don't try to go in there and tough it out and blah, 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 if you're if you're not ready. And if you are ready and you're just – you get beat and then all of a sudden you're injured, like it's happened way too many times with him. Like I thought he got benched later in the game, which didn't make sense to me because, yeah, he got toasted early in the first quarter. But then he was like – you know, he had the, the pass interference call, which was nonsense when he had really good coverage on the double move. And then he's out of the game. I'm thinking, what's going on with him? Well, probably just because he was freaking sore. I, I, I don't get it with him. Like, brother, if you're not ready to play, don't play because you're hurting this team. Ultimately, and then he got burned by Diggs later on in the end zone, picked up a holding call. But you look around at, at the the contributions that they're getting from this team from the draft picks. JJ Arthega Whiteside isn't giving us anything right now. I was high on him. Miles Sanders is doing wonderful things in the passing game, but he's also gone for what, like, I, I want to say just over 20 yards in his past 12 or so carries the last time that I checked. That's not great. That's not second round value. That's a receiving back. You can you can pick those up other places, but he's not giving us anything as a runner. And just looking at the other past draft classes, I mean, 
honestly, does is this team bad at drafting? Is this a bad football team because of it? Like, I'm not sure, man. Well, Joe Douglas is gone, so Howie, you know, it's going to be fixed now. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I feel like Howie's going to pass the buck. I, mean, I feel like we're going to see a leak at some point. Well, actually, Sidney Jones and J.J. Artega-Whiteside were uh, Joe Douglas picks. Uh, I'm only kind of joking there about yeah. the I mean other than like Goddard and Avante Maddox aside and getting like replacement level play from Isaac Siamalu who other than the Grady Jarrett game has been has been fine like you you look around that and like what are we really getting from these high price draft picks yeah how many good players I'll phrase it to you this way like, how many good players have the Eagles drafted since 2016 Carson Wentz good player mm-hmm. who else is on that list like it d- it there's some fine I- i'm talking about like you know actually like good like a legitimately like just very talented player like a very like a stud basically like there's i don't is it anyone like dallas goddard Derek barnett hasn't justified his 14th overall pick yet no goddard might be like the, i think the, the, goddard the, is yeah. yeah and i i think that's fine but like okay <laughs> okay he's your <laughs> second tight end you know what i mean like so great you have a stud at a position where like you know the the ceiling on that pick is like there, there is a ceiling on that pick like <laughs> the one pick you hit on uh is capped in some way yeah so bad drafting here the arthago white side thing is like devastating i feel like for this team i get that rookie wide receivers like i don't think it's fair to expect them to come into the league and be like bona fide studs right away that, but that's not what I'm asking for. No one is asking for that from J.J. Arthega-Whiteside. They're asking for literally any contribution at all when Nelson Aguilar has been an abject disaster this season and Matt Collins looks like the special teams player that he is. And, like, Arthega-Whiteside can't get on the field over those guys. He has two receptions for 14 yards in six, or in six games this season. Today alone, D.K. Metcalf drafted after J.J., Four receptions for 69 yards. Nice. And the Seahawks win. Uh, Terry McLaurin with four receptions for 100 yards. Two touchdowns. It was against the Dolphins. But still, obviously, McLaurin's having a very good season. And, like, these were guys who are, like, uh, like they profile, right, into what the Eagles needed is speed. Like, they need guys who are fast. Uh, and for some reason, the Eagles are like, nope, let's get even slower on offense. That is a huge issue that we've been talking about with this team going back to last year. It's, it's not even just on offense. It's on defense, too. Like I feel like, you know, you're looking at Rizul, like He's not a fast cornerback. This doesn't mean everything, but like 4-6 guy. Like, where's the speed on this team? Like, anyway, it's just slow. Yeah. It's it's slow, and, it, and it's crazy in, a, in a, like a modern NFL offense context where like, Speed is the name of the game. Like you look at the Chiefs and like Andy Reid just wants, you know, as many like fast guys as possible. And the Eagles are just building like the slowest plotting offense. So when they do get in a situation like this where they're down, they can't even like, you know, quickly uh, come from behind like they did in week one when they had Deshaun. Right. Um, because like there's no one to do it. There's no one to make a big play. Nelson Aguilar had some chances for big plays down the field again. Mike, what do you make of those? Like I don't. That can't be all on Wentz just overthrowing it, right? Like, that seems like he is not good at tracking the ball to some extent. Is that fair to say? There were there were two plays. There was the one along the sideline where him and Trey Waynes are kind of battling with each other and Nelson Aguilar hits the deck. You got to be stronger than that. And Aguilar has always struggled against contact. And that's that's been an issue for him. You got to be stronger than that. You are you have the guys stacked. You're in a good position. Play a little stronger. Don't go down, and you might have you might have a chance to make a play on the ball. The other one in in the middle back of the end zone really confused me because number one, I thought that might have been a slight overthrow or in, in, inaccurate throw by Wentz, but at the same time, if you watch what's happening with Nelson Aguilar on that play, when he's in the end zone, he starts to fade off to his right. A ball lands 
inside of him. Where are you going? Like, I, I can't tell if it was an overthrow or a bad throw by Carson Wentz because Nelson Aguilar didn't track the doggone thing. Like, did it get lost in lights again? Did the Eagles play in the brightest stadiums in the NFL on the road? Like, I don't understand what's going on with this guy. In 2017, he was a much better deep threat. I remember like, Next Gen Stats was putting out, he was like, top 10, top 10 deep threat, Nelson Aguilar. He has fallen way, way, way off, and it's just giving nothing to us, man. And then you look around, like you said, this plotting offense, I agree. Your offense is dependent on a 32-year-old that has picked up, you know, he's going to miss games throughout the season. We don't, we don't even know the full status of his health right now or when he's going to be back. And that that completely makes you condense your offense entirely. And then you look at what happened when Dallas Goddard was out. Well, that threw out the entire 12 menu, and the offense struggled for a, for a quick stretch for that. So there are all these things that are breaking the Eagles offense, and they aren't getting firm solutions from the coaching staff that is built around Doug Peterson, Mike Rowe included. So I agree with your criticism there. I don't know what he's bringing. It's hard to say that the Eagles are going to get like another Frank Reich because I think Frank Reich is a, an Fire Jay Gruden, maybe. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, though. Like a Jay Gruden would step in right away, and I guarantee you this offense would look a whole heck of a lot better. At the same time, though, with the guy that you mentioned, Nelson Aguilar, I thought Zach Ertz had a, had a really bad game. The other guys around him aren't giving him much. They are not helping Carson Wentz in these situations. And it feels like Wentz is like living and dying by every single throw in every single play and nobody else is. Mike, I think, I mean, the Philly voice report was like, well, first of all, it was, there was truth to it, but like yeah, in a serious voice, now me joking, there's very true. Like yeah. his players play, his teammates play, like they hate him. Like, yeah. like Zach Ertz fumbles the ball and, and like uh, Eagles are probably out of reach anyway but like last you know last gas um uh alshon jeffrey fourth down passed is it high sure but like it goes through his hands like like noah becker friend of the podcast made a great point on twitter during the game with that Deston stefan Diggs touchdown over craig james it's like when is an eagles wide receiver made a play like that for carson like right like carson puts it right in their hands and they can't even catch it like when is actually when is a wide receiver actually made like an incredible catch to help Carson Wentz out. Like, I, I cannot remember one. I don't think it has happened. Like, he is getting no help. It is insane. Like, it is. And leading up to this game, like, you know, Pro Football Focus put out that article. Uh, I think we both kind of talked about here on BGN Radio, like how Carson Wentz's box score stats look so much worse than how he's graded out by PFF's right. numbers because he's had, like, such bad luck. It continues. I can't believe, like, it continues <laughs> to happen. Like, he, like, just crucial passes. It's not like he's having, like, you know, a two yard like dump off pass like dropped. No, it's like fourth down, third down, like in the, the biggest spots possible. Yeah. Like they are his teammates are failing him time and time again. I heard there was criticism about Carson Wentz on a post game show that shall not be named here. Like what are we what are we watching if you're criticizing Carson Wentz from that game? Yeah, he <laughs> threw a pick late in the game when really honestly it was out of reach at that point. Yeah. A bad throw? Yeah. But like come on. Like he, the only reason the Eagles were in that game, it felt like, was because of Carson Wentz, yeah. and specifically about the offense too, Mike. Like, how many plays do you think looked great? Oh, another thing on Alshon. Right before I get to this, um, yeah. like Alshon stumbles out of bounds on that perfect throw for him along the side. Like, yeah. what the hell's that? Like, there's no reason to stumble. Like he had, a, like Carson Wentz didn't lead him out of bounds. Like he let him fine, and he just goes out of bounds, and all of a sudden that's a field goal instead of a potential touchdown. But getting back to what I was going to say, like this offense didn't even look like it was running smoothly. 
Is that fair to say? Like in structure, like there was, it wasn't like Carson Wentz was making plays in structure. He made so many plays out of structure we, yeah. where he had to extend plays. The touchdown pass to Alshon Jeffrey, a perfect example of that. You know, he's hanging in the pocket. He's buying time. He's buying time. Alshon cuts across back the field and he fires it to him. Like this offense for, for the success it did have, I, I'm not giving the coaching staff a ton of credit for that. I'm giving Carson Wentz a ton of credit for that. Man, like it, it is just frustrating to watch him does not get any help whatsoever. Like, I, it, like, what more can he do? And it sucks too for him as the quarterback because he's going to get all the he's going to get all the the brunt of the criticism. Right. People yeah. are going to put it on him because the Eagles aren't winning. And it's just like I, honest to God, feel this way hundred percent. Like Nick Foles would have not, he would not have the same bad luck that Carson Wentz has. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. It's kind of like our Jack Fritz. Uh, friend talked about like the angels like coming down to like catch the ball for Nick Foles. Like the only person who ever dropped a pass with Nick Foles involved was Keanu Neal in the in the, the wild card round. Yeah, or, um, the division round. Yeah, yeah. and like that's I think that's the worst. Or sorry, that's the um, that's the only person who's dropped uh, like a Nick Foles pass. Um, I I just feel like his luck is just like it was. Just, it's been so much better than Carson Wentz, and it's it's driving me insane, Mike. It is gaslighting me. I know Carson Wentz is better. Than being a three and three quarterback, I know this. Like I've seen it, but like, can you get the man some freaking help? Oh my gosh! And I, I guess I want to ask you a question. So, yeah. um, there's kind of been some talk. I guess Jimmy and I we were talking about it on BGN Radio. Like the the need, where like where do you see it being bigger at? Almost like cornerback or wide receiver. God, man, it, it's it's tough with the it's way big that, in both areas. <laughs> it it really it really is big, but you feel like you're going to get Deshaun back Maybe. at some point. Uh, do you trust? Okay, here's here's a question right back at you. Do you do you trust the offensive staff to get whoever this new wide receiver is integrated into the offense in time for it to make a difference? <laughs> well, why not? It worked at Golden Tate perfectly last year. So I, I guess the, the one but, thing, uh, brother, unless it's Jalen Ramsey, I don't know who is going to help this this scheme from Jim Schwartz when he just gets yeah. like just slap out coached like he did today. And then the pass rush probably you know not right. good enough today. I mean, they had one sack, Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham in the interior, please more of that. Yep. And then just four quarterback hits. Now, I think Cousins was getting the ball out quick. So it's not like they were super. And obviously, Diggs and Thielen are really great wide receivers. So, um, like, the Vikings obviously deserve some credit here. It's not like the Vikings or the Eagles just got lit up by a bunch of nobodies. But it's not good enough, man. And I don't know. I feel like a lot of people are just like, trade, you know, for Jalen Ramsey and that fixes everything. You really don't think, <laughs> you really don't think that. That's not how I feel about I, 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 this team. It's, it's flawed. We obviously had suspicions or thoughts about that going into this game, given yeah. the way they've arrived to this point. But I mean, it really just kind of confirmed uh, what we've seen out of this team so far. They're, they're just they're not good enough. Not good enough. Eagles three and three. When we come back, we'll talk more about it here on BGN Radio. We will be right back. And we are back here on BGN Radio, episode 85, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation. I am Michael Kist here with Brandon Lee Gowton, BLG. We are breaking down this ugly 38-20 to 20 loss for the Philadelphia Eagles. I, th- I think the question is, where do we go from here, and what kind of faith do we have in this team to turn it around? You're on the start of a three-game road stretch. You have a huge, and still for the division, on the line against uh, the, the Dallas Cowboys in primetime. Huge matchup with them. And then you have another road game against Buffalo after that before the bye. Very, very important stretch of games for the Eagles. And this was probably the most discouraging sign you could have seen for them coming into that. I, I think the only thing worse 
then what has happened with this game is the fact that Carson Wentz actually played pretty good this game. Like like you mentioned before, one pass, and then by the time he throws his next one, it's already 10-0. They're already down 10-0 for like, what, the fifth out of six times that they've played this season? But again, outside of a Carson Wentz collapse, which this was not that, this was bad, and this was very, very concerning from the Eagles, especially when you start projecting forward against some tough, tough teams. I mean, they need Deshaun back. Like, they they now, need yeah. him back. Like, they need him back. And and who knows what, like, that's even going to look like because it, it seems like Deshaun, even though he might be able to play, he's definitely, like, playing through pain. So we don't even know how effective he'll be. Like, is he going to be able to, one, have the same speed? you know, down the field, actually be vertical. Uh, and then the other thing is like, how long will he actually stay on the field? Like Sidney Jones, you know, like how long is he going to actually be able to stay healthy enough to to play out there? Like those are two big concerns that I have with Deshaun Jackson, even potentially coming back this week, which seems somewhat possible, but not guaranteed by any means. We'll, we'll see how he progresses, of course, as this week goes along. But yeah, I mean, the, the Cowboys game is a must win. I mean, mm-hmm. that was the situation going. It is. Like, it, re- it really, really is. You can't lose to Dallas. Dallas will be 3-0 you know, in the division at that point, And the Eagles would be, what, just 1-1. One and one, And the Eagles would also, you know, only be able to split at best with the Cowboys. Like, they need to beat the Cowboys. Who, by the way, right now, you know, they are down. They are up, The Jets are up 7-3 to three on the Cowboys. Uh, it's still early in the second quarter, of course. So that can very much change. Uh, it would be great for the Eagles if the Cowboys lost today. Uh, but either way, win, win or lose, you know, that game will be for first place in Dallas next week. And uh, it's huge. Um, like that, that's all my, I'm, I can honestly think about. I can't even think beyond that game at this point. Like they need to beat the Cowboys if they don't like, you know, you can never say never by what, like week eight or whatever. But and they would be three and four. Like this is really important for them. They need to get back on track. And I don't know how they do. <laughs> I don't I don't yeah. know what changes. Like what, what like what makes you feel so good that things are going to change in a big way? Like the secondary seems like it's still going to be an issue um even if they make a big trade, which I feel like like I'm not counting on that. I don't think Harry Roseman just wakes up tomorrow and acquires Jalen Ramsey. Like that's not how I, I think it's going to work. Uh, I think if we see any kind of move, it would be a little bit closer to the trade deadline because you have to consider other teams too like don't want to trade guys necessarily right, right away. So that's, you know, something to be concerned about. Man, yeah, it's just, it's frustrating. Like, I, I lost my train of thought. That's how frustrating it is. It's just, <laughs> like, I didn't feel great about this game, honestly. I only had the Eagles winning by one point. So it's not like I'm, I'm shocked they lost by any means. But it's just frustrating. Like, I can't get over the fact that, like, you have this great quarterback in Carson Wentz. And you should win. Like, that's that's the, like, when you, it's just the essential ingredient, right? It's like a winning team is having a, a top quarterback. And he is one of those. He definitely is. Like, he's very good. And they just can't get him any help. It is insane. And whether that's, you know, his own receivers or the offensive play calling or his defense giving up 38 points, like, he just, yeah. he cannot get, like, give the man some help. That's all I want. Like, just get Carson some kind of help. And you can win. I, I feel like a lot of the times in, in the way me and Benjamin Solak talk about these games and we kind of decide, like, which way we're going to go with it in our head. And, and we go, who's got the better coach? Who's who's got the better quarterback and who's got more talent? I feel like, at least with the way that that we think of Doug Peterson and Jim Schwartz is like it's a real love hate relationship with me and him as as far as the, the the job that he's done. I think he gets overly criticized for some things that he doesn't deserve to be criticized for about. Um, but at the same time, when it goes wrong 
it looks super ugly. And like I said, I thought he get he got his butt kicked today. But when he does things right, he doesn't get the same amount of credit that he should get. But he needs to start doing things right. And that and it's concerning with the with the players that they have in the secondary right now. The way that they're playing, the way that their coverage is busting, is just ugly. On the on the Stephon Diggs fifty one yard touchdown. There were two quarterbacks on both sides of the ball. Both Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas thought that they had safety help. It wasn't just Malcolm Jenkins that bailed his own. It's like, you're not giving these guys any support whatsoever. And it's the same thing over and over again. We talked about the Vikings. They they, they quick game the Eagles to death last year. Cousins was 30 for 37, 300 yards. Only five passes went beyond five yards that were completions. This, this week, they have a heavy play action game plan, which we knew was going to be the case coming into it. And then they ran that little smoke screen four times where Cousins just takes one step, gets the ball out, and the receiver has eight yards of cushion between him and the defensive back in space to make the guy miss. That's putting your defensive backs in a disadvantageous position. So it's 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 really tough to get a handle on Schwartz from week to week. He's just got to be more consistent, and the pass rush has got to be more consistent. You worry about that with the secondary too. So you, you, you take in all of that. The quarterback's still good. You know, I still believe Carson Wentz is a very good quarterback. I think a, lo- a lot of smart people do as well. You talk about Doug Peterson. I think he's a fantastic coach. The support that he's getting from the people under him that move up and move up the information to him and make the suggestions and whatnot has not been the same since 2017. You can't convince me otherwise. It's serious. Yeah, Mike Rowe, serious brain drain happening there. Like, what do you what do you think needs to happen with that situation to make it better? Because I feel like it's it's pulling the offense down, and I'm not sure that this offense is as talented, even though that they have been dealing with some injuries, and that's that's very concerning. And not saying that they haven't been good for most of the year. I mean, they've put up solid stats, but they got in a boat race today and they couldn't get it done. And part of it was because of their early scripting. And I put a lot of that on, on Grow and Doug. Yeah, I mean, this is what like I said about Mike Grow last year. So it's frustrating that I am saying it again this year and it was not addressed. <laughs> Something I tweeted out, I guess, during the Saints game last year was like, maybe we don't talk enough about how Eagles offensive coordinator Mike Grow was passing game coordinator for a 2016 Rams offense that ranked 31st in passing yards per game and 32nd in passing DVOA. Hmm, Maybe not the best track record. And you even dug uh, deeper into that, Mike, I believe, for BleedingGreenNation.com. You had a piece basically on why Mike Rowe needed to go, right? Like You look back to even his college numbers. Yeah. And, you know, those don't – it's not like the perfect thing. It's not like this definitive thing. But you just see a lot of things in Mike Rowe's career that don't really like point to excellence for sure. You know, it's not like we have to keep this guy. And it feels like that's the Eagles are, they're, they're treating him. It's like, no, trust us. Like this guy is really good. And it's insane to me because like the thing that bothered me all last year. And so again, I'm sorry if you're, you heard this already, but I'm going to repeat it is that when they hired Doug Peterson and Frank Wright and John D. Filippo, this organization went out time and time and time again and stressed how important it was that they made those hires. Like they, they kept saying, like, we felt like, you know, we added three really strong pieces to that quarterback room with those guys I just listed with Doug Peterson, Frank Reich, John Filippo, And that's, that was going to be huge for them, not only for Sam Bradford at the time, but also for the quarterback they were going to draft, Carson Wentz. And so what happens when they lose Flip? and Reich in the same offseason last year. Hmm. Like, it was just automatic promotion. There wasn't even interviews. Like, Tim yeah. McManus had said they didn't even interview candidates for those jobs. Why? Yeah. Like, how is that a good idea? Because, like, even if you interview someone and you don't like them, you can at least be like, all right, you know, we picked his brain a little bit. Maybe we, we get some good ideas out of that. Like, we talked to someone, we got a nice perspective. Like, we're not going to hire him, but we like some of the things he had to say, and maybe we can use that. Like, what did they gain by doing literally nothing? 
Like, yeah. like they, nothing. That's what they gain. So I don't. I just don't get why that was the case. Like even this offseason, why not just kind of talk to some people? Why not maybe try to bring in an offensive consultant or something? Like I think Doug has been a little bit too loyal to a fault in terms of this internal promotion stuff. It's just weird that all of a sudden, again, they, they put the focus on bringing all these guys in and those were such big acquisitions and they made such a big emphasis on it. They lose those guys and it's like, ah, well, it's all right. Anyone can do the job. Micro, you're in. You know, like, yeah. like what did like what shifted there? What happened to this being like a huge priority? Like they're not making it a big priority. So that's what bothers me when it comes to that. I feel like Doug Peterson, um, you know, it's ultimately up to him. It's his coaching staff. I think he needs to reflect a little bit more and kind of bring in a veteran voice to kind of be, you know, that his new Frank Reich, basically. And I, I would love Jake Gruden. I don't think it's going to happen, but like something like that. I was defending the Eagles offense coming into this thing. Because there was like a mini freak out over the Jets game, which was which was absolutely super weird to me. And this was a big test for them. This is a fourth ring DVOA defense. You're dealing with them at home. You know, very very loud crowd, and the Eagles definitely had some issues. So I think it would be good for the Eagles to start to expand what the what they're trying to be as an offense and try to manufacture some deep shots because it's it's just man, it's it's not happening for them. It didn't in this game. We'll see how they improve against the Cowboys next week, and then with another t- test against a, a, another tough defense. And they're top five defense in the Buffalo Bills. So this next couple of weeks is going to be very telling for the Eagles. They need to right this ship right now. Let's go with what some of the gentle listeners are thinking about this game. Every week, we put out a tweet on BGN Radio at BGN underscore radio asking you for three words that describe how you feel about the game that just happened. Again, an ugly, ugly loss to the Vikings. So let's see here. First, uh, Alex Urizzo chimes in at Jay Urizzo. He says, Carson deserves better and and like you mentioned before when can we point to plays that we're like man Carson got bailed out by his receiver on that one because they are not happening and then you know the only time that the running game gets going everybody puts all the all the credit on the running game but that was like what one game so yeah Carson definitely needs better around him from his playmakers uh at Bleeding Green Nation chimed in Diggs is dad I mean Stefan Diggs just a stellar performance for him, even with some drops. That that one ugly drop that landed in the Andrew Sandeo's hand was was bad. So weird. Yeah, super weird. You know, that's just the universe telling us it's a revenge game, but but not really. It didn't end up that way. And of course, at Benjamin Solak, we have to have this every week, but I feel like it <laughs> makes more sense this week with a fire Jim Schwartz. BLG, as you scroll through these, any thoughts on the ones that I just said or any any uh, any ones that stand out to you as far as... Uh... Well, Ben Solak, that little troublemaker here, <laughs> uh, he got me for like a half a second. I was like, wait, come on, Ben. Like, you're not... <laughs> I was like, all right, never mind. I get it. I get it. I, Every I week. figured it out. Um, <laughs> That's who is the, the guy who usually says that? That's I think Gingerbeard11. I think he probably has like 15 responses somewhere in the thread there, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but I mean, seriously though, yeah, like this is obviously not a great game from Jim Schwartz, but at the same time, like, okay, who are the cornerbacks he's working with? Like, who has Howie Roseman drafted here that is so great at corner that is really just, you know, really standing out and really has shown a lot of potential? I think, you know, Roosevelt has done some things. I think he's at least in the conversation for being a starter. I mean, Sydney to this point, just like is not like he's not he you cannot put him out there and feel good about it, first of all. Because like you don't even you know you can't rely on him actually staying healthy enough to be out in the field, yeah. And then he's just getting beat when he is, and it's frustrating. That's it's just a frustrating game. It's a frustrating game. They are there's just a lot of issues with this team. Or is their season over today? No, 
I mean, you beat the Cowboys. They beat the Cowboys next week. Everyone is feeling pretty good, I feel like. Not yeah. like everything is fixed, but like pretty good. They'd be first in the NFC East at four and three. There's still hope for this team. Like Carson Wentz playing so well. Like if we're going to do the silver linings thing kind of here, like Carson Wentz playing well does give me hope. It makes me think, okay, maybe they can figure this out. It is. It feels like it's impossible for his teammates to continue to let him down at the rate that they currently have. Like that doesn't seem sustainable to me. Like, I, I would think at some point they are going to help him out more. He's not going to have to deal with this ridiculous amount of drops and um, a miscues uh, that are just killing him right now. I think having the good quarterback will win out. I think Doug Peterson, for some of the faults we've seen with him, I think we've seen enough good from him. Yeah. And the Packers game is a perfect example of that. Yeah. Uh, to make me think, okay, like, you know, th- Doug can get this figured out. He'll see some of the st- mistakes from the scheme and he'll learn from them. Like, I think they've earned some of that right, you know, based on what they've already accomplished to this point. But in the meantime, you know, you're, you're, like after this game, like there just, there aren't a lot of silver linings in the short term. <laughs> there's, there's a lot to be frustrated about. about. Uh, there's a lot to be mad about. I think Howie Roseman probably isn't getting enough heat from like uh, a fan perspective in general. I mean, there's people ripping the draft picks. I, I'm not saying nobody is, but right. I feel like, you know, it's easy to kind of bog down. Like, I don't think people are going to be calling into the radio stations tomorrow, like being like, oh, you know, Howie and the draft picks are killing this team. I think they're going to be mad at Doug for the fourth, you know, the, the field goal thing. So I definitely think it's kind of, and by the way, Doug has to take the heat, like, you know, as the head coach, oh, yeah. like Howie doesn't have to talk during the season. So like he gets to kind of escape from that. Uh, for now, that's another kind of aspect to that. So, I think it's it's a group effort, really, in, in both success and failure. Like this is, there's a lot of things going on. You can't just point to one thing and be like, that's that's why the Jalen Ramsey thing to me is kind of like, uh, like not like okay, yeah, you just do that and everything's great. Like no, it's not. There's still a lot of issues uh, with this team, and hopefully, getting Deshaun back helps. You know, hopefully, the Eagles can kind of turn things around. And, you know, get a big win in Dallas because, man, do they really need it? Would, would you agree with this or would you say it's reactionary? Because there's a couple of different ways to look at it. This is from at Coach Watt TCB, Matt Watson. Uh, he chimed in and he said, not championship good. And I actually think that's an interesting thought because if you think back to last season, uh, right around this time in the season, we were kind of having the same thoughts, the same kind of frustrations with this Eagles team. Part of that was because we felt like the 2018 season really never started. It was just a continuation of the celebration of the Super Bowl that kind of leaked into things. But we're seeing a, a lot of the same issues. You're getting down early in games and the you know the defense is is giving up some things that are just kind of ridiculous. This game especially is just absurd. But when when you think about the way that 2018 went, the way that 2017 went, 2017 had an entirely different feel to it from the start. They had statement wins and so on and so forth. And the Eagles had one this year against the Packers that was a, a very high quality win, in my opinion, on the road on a short week. So it's not that they haven't gotten theirs, but currently they sit at three and three. And yeah, last year they started to right the ship and and whatnot. And you do lose your quarterback, but you get into the playoffs and you squeak by the Bears. And then, you know, you have the drop against the Saints. They don't get by. I don't think last year's team was a championship caliber team. I think they were they were a little bit short of that. Do you think that we're overreacting or we're going to be overreacting to the negative stuff that is happening with Philadelphia here when they have time to make it right? If they make it right, do you still think with the pieces that they have in place that this is a championship caliber team? Do you have faith well, in that? It's a bold take, Mike, to say the team that didn't win the Super Bowl is not a championship caliber team. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. I get what you're saying, though, for real. 
Um, I mean, I, I, I'm, what I'm saying is they weren't really like they weren't like a dangerous, like a really, really dangerous team. Like, yeah, they could knock off a good team, but it didn't feel like they were going to be the team that were just going to like roll through people. You know what I mean? And neither were the Giants teams that won those two Super Bowls. So, you know, there's <laughs> stuff yeah, happens. Yeah, those are the anomalies. And I'm not saying that's what you count on. But my point is, like, you never totally, know totally sure. different, totally different caliber than the 2017 team, though. Because the 2017 yes, people, sure. roll, they rolled through people. Yeah, I mean, this isn't 2017. Although, if they had pulled off this win, and that would have been like pretty darn impressive. Because like for, to go into Green Bay and win, and to, I, I set it up on the BGN Radio preview show with Jimmy Kemsky. Like the Vikings, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough place to play. Like yeah. Minnesota has the, the best cover percentage in terms of against the spread as home favorites since 2014 when Mike Zimmer is hired. Like that's that's pretty good. They also have the best fourth or sorry third best winning percentage behind the Patriots in Green Bay. So like that is yeah. a tough place to play. It's not sure. like you just go in there and anyone gets a win. Um, so I want to add that context to it. Now yeah. again. Eels are sitting here with an 18-point loss. Not very good. I, do, they, do they feel like a Super Bowl caliber team right now? Of course not. They don't. They have issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, a lot of teams have issues. No, There's no perfect team out there. There's no perfect roster. Like even the Pats, like they didn't look amazing at times in that game against the Giants on Thursday night. They're undefeated. They've also had an incredibly easy schedule, um, and they will continue to have one. So good for them. Uh, but, you know, obviously those are guys are the exception to the norm in many ways. Uh, yeah, so like I don't know. I don't. Would, feel would you say that the reaction that we're gonna have from this is because we're expecting 2017 Eagles, and this just isn't that, but it's still good enough to make a serious run in the playoffs. Ultimately, if they if they're able to write some things, yeah, I think that's fair. I think you know the expectations should still be that this team is very much in the playoff hunt. I mean. Yeah. The division is there for the taking. So that's that's the main focus. Again, and that's why it is so important to beat the Cowboys next week. Like this is this is how you get to the playoffs. You know, I, I think we've seen enough from the Eagles to know that, you know, they're probably not gonna get one of those top two seeds. You know, unless things just really turn around here in a big way. Uh, they're probably going to be, you know, fighting for a third or fourth seed as a division winner. Like that's yeah. more realistic for them. And I think that's totally within reach. I still think see, one of the things, again, if I'm trying to be positive, is that I think it's very easy for us to focus on all the negative and say, like, what's wrong and not give enough credit to the things that are good, like Miles Sanders doing a really good job as a receiver in this game, as we talked about earlier, Mm. or uh, Jake Elliott being perfect on the year as a kicker, or Mm. the offensive line, I think, you know, playing relatively well enough overall, or, you know, Carson Wentz playing great football, which matters more than anything. Like, there are positives here. It's not like everything is bad. It's all negative. You you scrap the team, whatever. But there there are a lot of holes. I'm not going to deny that. And I think talent, the lack of talent, which is crazy because we thought this is going to be one of the most talented rosters uh, in the league this year. Like, I just think there is a talent deficiency with this team, especially in terms of style, like we talked about earlier. Like, they're just not fast enough. Get faster. Faster players, please. <laughs> um, yeah, so they they have some things to feel good about still. It's not all bad. The season is not over in week six. I promise you that. But they also have some real issues. So that's kind of just where we are, and we'll, and we'll trudge along. And again, if they beat the Cowboys, everyone will be feeling a lot better. And if they don't, it's going to suck. And then, <laughs> and then it might be over. Right. Yeah. Uh, BLG, well, we'll go ahead and get out of here. Any last thoughts for the gentle listeners uh, be- before we sign off? Uh, well, big shout out to all the people who have been supporting BGN yeah. Radio through the season. It's been awesome. What, Mike, we're over at over five or over half a million downloads, right? Like, that's crazy. For the last 30 days, over over half a million, which is just bonkers. Yeah. Just crazy. Especially for a feed that was started last year. Yeah. This is this is big, big round of applause to Mike Hiss for making things happen here on the BTN radio feed. Um, We will have, you know, a bunch of good content for you coming along at Bleeding Green Nation. 
So check out that, obviously, and here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed with the Kiss and Solak show, I imagine. Uh, BJN Radio coming up this week, the Babes on Broad. Seamus will have his podcast from the Bleachers. So a lot of content coming your way still. I believe a Chris Long interview is in, in store. Is that right, Mike? Chris Long is scheduled to speak with us uh, next week. So hopefully everything works out with that and I get to have a nice little chat with him. So that's exciting stuff. Good good news for you, gentle listeners, after a terrible, terrible day of football. Uh, maybe you can give us some good thoughts on the Cowboys or maybe he could suit up again for this team. And <laughs> I, I wish. That's yeah. probably not going to happen. But, um, but yeah, so a lot of good stuff coming your way. Please rate and review as always. We really appreciate that. It's a great way to support the podcast. It's probably the best way to support the podcast. We all we got. We all we need. Fly Eagles Fly. P G N.